the first time is a lot, like I, I won't lie to you, but it was a good thing knowing that even though I was away, I was still doing something that benefited him. Welcome to Breastfeeding with ABA, a podcast brought to you by volunteers from the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Breastfeeding with ABA is a podcast about breastfeeding, made by parents for parents. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Katie about her story of returning to fly-in, fly-out or FIFO work while breastfeeding. This podcast records in different parts of Australia. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we're recording on and the lands you're listening on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to any Indigenous people listening. We also acknowledge the long history of oral storytelling on this country and of women supporting each other to learn to feed their babies. My name's Jessica and I'm a breastfeeding counsellor with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm speaking to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Our guest today is Katie, a mum of one living in Western Australia. Katie, tell us a bit about yourself, your family and where you live. I am on Wadjot country in the Noongar Nation here in Perth. My pronouns are she, her, and my family, I live with my husband and my little boy who's just turned two. So can you tell me what was the start of your breastfeeding journey like? It was actually good, sort of. <laughs> it was the, the only thing in pregnancy and motherhood that kind of went right for me. Everything was very, very complicated and so I had one thing that went right and I felt quite passionate and strong about if this is going right, then I have to make it continue to go right. Our little boy was born two days before the COVID lockdowns. So it was the one thing that went right. So I wanted to keep it going right. I had a huge oversupply though. And my son has a, a minor tongue tie, which complicated things a little bit, but I felt quite passionate about it. So here we are two years later. So tell me about your work. What do you do? I'm an archaeologist, which sounds really glamorous. But in practicality, it means I spend a lot of time away from my family, mainly in the Pilbara in Western Australia, facilitating mining. So Aboriginal and Indigenous people, quite a lot of their, their important places and country are also on places that have really important resources for our state. So my job is to ensure that they're recorded properly that they looked at, that mining don't just get to have the first and final say because of a resource. It's multiple resources that we need to take care of. And one, just because it has a monetary value, doesn't mean it outvalues everything else. Tell me a little bit about how you prepared to return to work and the lead up to that and what ended up happening. I can be away for up to two weeks at a time. I went back to work when my baby was 10 months old and I was quite strong that I wanted to continue to breastfeed him. So ahead of going back to work, I was pumping every second feed. So I was actually increasing my supply, which was not the best option in hindsight. And I would do things differently. I would pump at the end of every normal feed just to get little bits rather than. So I increased my supply so that when I went away, I had a full 14 days of four feeds a day frozen in our freezer because that's where my baby was at at the time. And then once I was away, I kept up the pumping for the first four to three or four months. It was six or seven times a day. I then put that milk in 100 mil lots and I put it in the freezer. Luckily, where I stay generally has freezing options. 
I have occasionally had to go and ask, you know, kitchen crew, can I please use a freezer? And to date, everybody, you know, is pretty amazing. Like I get a few odd looks and then people go, you're still feeding your baby and you work away? Yeah, of course we'll help you. So generally speaking, people are pretty awesome and they're really, really accommodating. When you first returned to work, what was it like sort of that first time that you were away from your baby and expressing breast milk? So it's challenging. It's challenging regardless of how you go back to work. You know, you've gone from being at home with your baby full time to my situation. I did a couple of days in the office and then I went completely away. It's emotionally challenging and it's physically challenging and it's mentally challenging for the tiredness. Because you're, you're, so in my case, I'm working a 10, 12 hour day, walking, you know, 13, 14 Ks in the Pilbara, looking at Aboriginal sites, surveying the ground. And then I'm coming back every night and I'm still having to wake up three to four times overnight to pump. I'm just going to explain here, because breastfeeding works on supply and demand, meaning that the amount of milk you remove from your breasts puts in the order for the amount you're going to make, if you're separated from your baby, you generally need to express whenever your baby would have fed. So Katie's schedule for pumping when she went back to work was something like 5.30am, 12pm, 4pm, 9pm and 1am, and then she'd try to squeeze in a feed at her morning tea break if she could. For people returning to something like an office job while they're still feeding, the concept works the same way. You want to aim to express at work however many times your bub would have fed if you were with them. And it depends how your pumping situation is, but for me that's a good half an hour, 45 minutes. I don't know for other mums it's much longer. I would pump until I felt empty rather than for a set time to maintain my supply. And so when you're pumping to feel empty, that can take a long time. There's also the discomfort I had quite a big supply. So if you're walking around, you're suddenly feeling heavy and sore and you also have to take your own health into account. I didn't want to get mastitis. I've had it a couple of times at home and knew I was a bit prone to it. And so, you know, I just would have to make the call. I need to go back to the car and pump because I'm going to be sick. And people were pretty good. Once you explain, actually, I could get sick from this. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot. It's got a, has, He's got older. He obviously feeds less. He mainly just has a feed overnight and a feed in the morning. So my breasts have adjusted to that when I go away. So now I only pump in the morning and at night. But the first time is a lot. Like I, I won't lie to you, but it was a good thing knowing that even though I was away, I was still doing something that benefited him in such a way. Um, which did help the first couple of times with just the the being away from your little baby. <laughs> and do you feel like it helped you emotionally? Absolutely. It really helped me emotionally because I knew I was away. I knew he was just at home with his dad and I had all these thoughts and ideas. But because I was pumping, I was like, at least I'm doing something and we're continuing what I wanted to do. You know, we weren't sacrificing his health and what I felt was important for him just because I wanted to go back to work. And what was it like when you got back home at the end of that first trip away? It's actually part of the reason we are continuing to extend breastfeed. I was really, really nervous. He was going to have a bottle preference. He wasn't going to be able to feed directly. You know, it was a whole heap of things. And don't get me wrong, when he was sort of the 10 to 18 months old, I would get home and his latch would be a bit lazy or, you know, I might get a bit uncomfortable but it's actually the way we connect when I get home. 
at the moment he's talking and everything. And the first thing he says when I get home is boobies. And then we spend, yeah, <laughs> we then spend basically the next two days sitting on the couch feeding. But it, I think it's an, a, it's an emotional come down for me to sort of relax that I'm home. And it's also a way for him to process. I've been away for two weeks, but, oh, but she's going to come home. My supply does dip a little bit the longer the swing goes. However, I'm quite lucky that direct feeding for a few days, when I get home, everything picks back up and it's back to normal. But it's actually really good. Luckily, he doesn't have a bottle preference when I'm home. He won't have a bar of a bottle. I know that I'm really lucky in that regard. What's your schedule like when you are working away, both in terms of your actual day of work and your expressing schedule? It's generally a 10-hour day. I don't have a roster or anything like that. So sometimes I can be away for 10, 14 days, be home for two days and be gone again for 10 or 14. And then, you know, over summer I can be home for three months straight. It really depends because, of course, I work with a lot of elderly Aboriginal people that can't walk in 45, 46-degree heat in December. So it kind of depends. But when I am at work, it's about a 10-hour day. We generally start, if it's hot, we generally start about half past four. So I have to be up before half past four to have breakfasted and everything else. But then I have to be up even earlier than that because I pump before I leave my room. That's kind of okay though because I just put my pump on and turn the lights off. (laughs) And then now that my son is over two, I'm okay to go the whole day and then the first thing I do when I get back in the afternoon is I pump and then the last thing I do in the evening before I go to bed is I pump and that's enough to see me through at the moment. But it was quite a different story. I was getting up in the middle of the night I was pumping at lunch breaks. When I was pumping during lunch breaks, I could only do surveys that had vehicle access. So sometimes we do surveys which are just helicopter access and we get dropped off on the top of a hill and we walk all day and then they pick us up at the other end. But that's not really conducive for A, carrying your pump around all day and then having somewhere that's cool and quiet to pump. That was one restriction. But apart from that, it's been really good. I've got a really, really good esky really, really good ice blocks. They're kind of a must-have. It was really expensive, but has been worth it. And the same thing goes for when I travel home. We generally drive six or seven hours to the closest airport. I take two really good eskies on the plane as hand luggage, packed and packed and packed with as much ice as possible. And to date, I've only had to chuck 200 mil satchels when I get home, but they ended up being I think they were 18-hour days of travel in ice. So, you know, that's pretty good. And then I just put them through the little conveyor belt when I get on the aeroplane. I've been asked once or twice, you know, why are you carrying two or three litres of 100ml satchels of white liquid? But now it's pretty normal. I've never been told I can't take it. It's never been an issue. I just explain what it is and then there's no issue. There's no issue with weight. As long as they're in, you know, obviously sized eskies that can fit in your top luggage there's no problem if it's overweight or anything like that because it's milk for my baby so you mentioned when we sort of emailed a while back that your industry is fairly male dominated can you talk a little bit just about your male co-workers and how they've responded to your expressing for your baby archaeology i generally work with a female arc 
However, we are generally the only women on a survey of, you know, 10, 15 males and sometimes not even that. My last job, I was the only woman for 15 days. (laughs) The people that I work with directly, who I see every week, are really, really good. I really recommend just being open and honest and telling people what's happening from the get-go because initially I was I was quite embarrassed. I was like, oh, you know, they're going to think I'm this hippie mum. But actually people have been really, really good. They're just like, oh, wow, that's great. I have unfortunately had the odd comment from idiotic mining men who have said, you know, they've asked me how old my baby is and I say, oh, he's two. And then, you know, you get all the comments about, why are you feeding a two-year-old? That's too old, but I don't really care. I'm past the caring point. So yeah, I recommend being open and honest and people are generally good. You know, that's been my experience. I work with a lot, a lot of different people. People are generally good and they, they want to help you out. So if you're open and honest, they're pretty good. Part of my work, I obviously work with elder Aboriginal men, quite senior men and, and breastfeeding and that is kind of women's business. And I was a bit worried that that would be inappropriate culturally. However, I've had a couple of old guys say to me, you know, when we're with our women, like it's just totally normal. And they, they tend to breastfeed for a lot longer than Caucasian people. They just, you know, two, three, four, they don't even blink an eyelid. So it's like, it's like I found my people when I, um, when I'm on survey, they just like, that's so normal. And, and because I've returned to work and I've continued feeding, they don't want me to be pumping, you know, eating lunch next to them that's fine. That makes them uncomfortable. It doesn't really make me uncomfortable, but it makes them uncomfortable and I'll respect that. Hence why I need a separate space like the car to pump in. But they're really supportive and they're really happy to stop and, you know, allow me to pump. They're really happy to make sure that I've got enough ice for the day. So all in all, it's been a really positive experience and made me realize people are really good. Yes, you get the occasional idiotic comment, but I get the occasional idiotic comment from my family. And frankly, I get far more idiotic comments from them than I have ever got at work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's always the way, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any tips that you want to share for anyone who might be in a similar situation? Yes, I have a FIFO kit, I think, is what I'm calling it. So before you go, set yourself up to succeed. When I'm at home, I used to really like pumping into the glass bottles. I like to be a bit more environmentally friendly. However, that's just not realistic. So I take a lot of breast milk storage bags. I do have some reusable ones that can go through the dishwasher. So I recommend those if you're going to do it long-term like I am, or I have. So I take 40 plus bags for every trip more than you're probably going to need, but it's good to have them. And it's very stressful thinking, can I use a sandwich bag? (laughs) So take more than you need and also have a really good stash. I know, you know, in lots of breastfeeding discussions, stashes are not important really, unless you're doing what I do. Don't go stressing yourself out over a stash that you're never going to use. Whereas in my case, my stash is really important because I'm physically not here. There's no more milk coming in while I'm away. So have a really good stash and be confident in your stash and know your baby's routine. Like we spent six to eight weeks before my first job really figuring out 
how many feeds he had a day, if they were, you know, good feeds with the lots of little feeds. Um, so, yeah, set yourself up for success. And then have a decent pump with two sets of pump heads. You know, if you're going away for one or two work trips, not necessary. But if you're like me going away all the time, two sets of pump heads. Because then if you get back in the afternoon and you've had one that's been out in the heat all day, the last thing you want to do is wash pump heads and then pump. So have two sets. I take eight bottles every trip for the same reason because sometimes you don't want to wash a bottle or it's got a little bit of milk in it and you want to cool it down so they're from the same day. It's just easier to have multiple bottles. Take a plug. Not all mining camps, hotels, etc. have a plug for the sink because you will have to wash your bottles in your bathroom sink. There's not a kitchen sink generally. And so the bathroom sink, I take dishwashing liquid. I take dish sanitizing because I like to sanitize the sink because I don't know what people have done before me. And I take a, a bottle scrubbing brush and a, just a normal scrubber sponge. Clean the sink really well. Take a universal plug and get them, you know, a universal plug from hardware stores that fit anything. And then you're right to go. I also have a really decent bottle drying rack that goes with me everywhere because there's nothing worse than having two sets of bottles and then they're not drying in time. And then you're wondering about a tea towel that, you know, you've got from a mining kit. Yeah, no, just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't have to sterilize as much because my baby is older. So hot water soap, air dry is fine. Yeah, so two sets of pump heads, eight bottles, a decent pump that can be battery powered or or whatever so that you're not relying on mains power. And then if it's batteries, not rechargeable, extra batteries for it, dishwashing liquid, a universal plug and a really good bottle drying rack and lots of storage bags and a decent esky to get at home or to use during the day. Don't freak out when the milk is all different colours when it freezes. <laughs> What sort of colours have you found that you milk? Uh, it's mostly like quite green, but then I eat a lot of green veggies while I'm away because it's one of the only edible foods on a mining camp. <laughs> I eat a lot of broccoli and it goes in the freezer looking not that green and it comes out looking green, green. But yeah, don't freak out when it's green or it's really green or it's a bit yellow. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, just be glad that you don't eat a lot of beetroot or licorice because it can come out in all different types. Well, of I have had the the pinky kind of beetroot and thinking, oh my God, is that blood? But it's not, it's beetroot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? I know a couple of mums who have found either returning to work to be a barrier because they want to breastfeed or they're going to be away from their baby or whatever, or have returned to work and just decided that it's not possible. And it is possible. I mean, if it's not for you, it's a lot of work. I I totally get that. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But if it is something you're passionate about and you care about, it is totally possible. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's no reason now that I can't have an occasional mum's night, you know, just separate. And I don't have to feel guilt because I know that my baby will be okay, which is really good. It's doable. And if you want to do it. I'm one of those people that spent a lot of time and money getting to my career path and I love my job and I didn't, I, I thought about, you know, it really affected some of my mental health when I had my baby thinking I've lost that part of me 
you don't have to and you can still extended breastfeed and give your baby that nutrients if that's what you want to do so it's totally possible and you don't have to feel guilty it's taken me a long time to not feel guilty about going away and actually enjoying myself and I'm a better mum because I go away and I get to do you know exercise my brain Thanks so much, Katie. It's been great to hear about your experiences. Hopefully some of what you've talked about will be really helpful for other people in similar situations. You can find some links to information in the show notes if you want to read more. Head to our website if you want to find a local group to support you. I know Katie's gotten support from her local group, so you can check out what's available in your area. If you want to speak to a breastfeeding counsellor, the National Breastfeeding Helpline is available on 1800 686 268. So that's open 24 hours a day, every day of the year. And our live chat service is another option. So you can check the website to see when that's open. Thanks heaps for listening. We'd love it if you can rate, review and subscribe to the Breastfeeding with ABA podcast wherever you're listening.